Check one, two. Go! Curious about real estate? Yes! Then you've come to the right place. Get the knowledge you need. Get over the fear and get started. This is the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show with your host, Michael Quarles. Hello, everybody. Michael Quarles with the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show, and welcome to another interview episode. Today, I have with me MC Lauscher. He get this. Oh, I'm going to let him tell us about himself. I was going to tell you all about him. Here we go. So tell us about yourself. Well, I'm originally from South Africa. <laughs> I grew up, born and raised there, went to university there, grew up through a, actually a pretty interesting time in that country's history. We went from an apartheid government when I was in high school over to the first democratically elected president. We had Mr. Nelson Mandela, President Nelson Mandela, and that was quite an experience. So lived through a very interesting time there. After I graduated a university, I traveled a little bit. I ended up in the United States with a backpack, a suitcase, about 500 bucks, a sense of adventure and a sense of humor. I ended up playing actually in a, a national rugby league here, a city-based league, up until 2007. While I was pursuing a career in sports, I came across a little purple book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, as some of your listeners might know, and have done so themselves, which kind of just changed my perspective, my mindset, and that started my journey into that area of looking at investing, looking at a sustainable way to build long-lasting wealth. I bought my first property in South Africa that first year after coming across the book. And then I ended up in Chicago playing for the Chicago team in this U.S. league. And while I was in Chicago, I didn't know it at the time, but I kind of fell into a situation where I had a lot of mentors around me. Trust me, I wasn't smart enough to figure it out that that was what I was looking for at that stage. I just happened to be uh, there. And this was a real estate office for one of the largest private real estate investors in Chicago. And these guys own a ton of multifamily unit property. So I basically learned the business from the ground up, starting painting, fixing up apartments, doing maintenance to leasing structuring leases, bookkeeping, marketing and advertising, eventually got my broker's license and became part of their acquisitions group. And the group at that stage, I had access to a ton of properties. I could see what these guys are looking for. So I really jumped into the real estate share there. After that, I spent some time in do, doing some corporate consulting. But two years ago, I launched my own wealth management and education firm. I've also been always been very passionate about financial education. I realized that there was an enormous problem working in the wealth management industry as far as financial education. So it's definitely been a mission and a, a passion of mine to try and help as many folks as I can build their wealth outside of Wall Street. My firm Valhalla Well Financial works with individuals and families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, professionals, and investors doing just that. And then as part of that wealth management and education firm, I try to create a platform for free financial education, which turned into the podcast that I have, The Cashflow Ninja. And it's all about cash flow and income streams. We, we talk about everything from real estate to how to create income streams from gold and silver, digital assets, music, royalties, coffee farms in Panama. So a lot of different ideas shared on the show, but that's kind of like just a, an overview. <laughs> a quick so an gonna, overview. Yeah. I'm going to back you up all the way to the backpack and $500. Yeah. 
What was that like? You know, when I travel, I just go to a different state, so I never really go out of the country. Been to Mexico a few times. But other than mm-hmm. that, I can't imagine landing in a foreign country with with a backpack and five hundred dollars. What was that? Yeah. What was that like for you? It was at that stage, uh, very, obviously very exciting. I figured at that stage of my life, it's a it's an area where you know you can take risks. So, but I would say this that the I mentioned the the sport of rugby and the rugby network is extremely powerful. So. I wouldn't be honest if I just say, well, you know, I just closed my eyes and pick a plane and uh, pick a place and got onto a plane. And I thought I'd, you know, just figure it out myself from there. Because what in effect happens within this network is wherever you end, end up in the world or land, there's probably a rugby club nearby. So <laughs> and, is, that a, that's, and, is that a real sport? Or... Yeah, yeah. So because <laughs> we, we play kind of like rugby, we call it football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's a very it's a very close net network, a real camaraderie between everyone around the world. Great way to see the world. There's many of my friends that have done the same. So that I, I think in effect, I mean that that's what made it so easy to go somewhere, a place that you don't know a single person, is because you had something in common and once you had that in common, these guys will take you in and, you, you know, you're part of the family at that stage. So somebody's going to give you a couch for a couple of weeks. You know, this was before uh, before all these online tools and communities, et cetera, that, that's available now. But it was a, that was a very, very powerful part of it. Cool. You picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. Was it just the cover that you were fascinated with in the beginning? What was it about the book that made you open the pages and turn them? I think I've always been a very, very curious person and always critically analyzed things and thought, try to look at things from a different perspective. And when it came to when it came to wealth and money at that stage, which I had neither to begin with, but I was definitely interested in it. And I always I always knew that there were two sets of rules and different different ways of doing things and kind of had an idea that the rich don't only do things differently than the average person, but the exact opposite. So I definitely wanted to learn more about it and how their side of their mindset works and how they were were thinking, because, you know, you you look at things out there today and I, I still I mean, it amazes me. That regardless if it's your health, if it's wealth, if whatever whatever space that you're in, if there's only a small group of really successful people in that area that you want to master, why the why is the majority of people usually following the advice that the majority of people are following that are not successful or mastering that area or that space? So. That's kind of when I went down the rabbit hole, and then one thing led to another. You know, that 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 started the process for me. Yep, I found that you can be rich and not have a rich person's mind. So you can accidentally create wealth. Right. Society can create that wealth for you, and it could be enormous. However, without the rich person's mind, it won't grow. In fact, most of the time, it'll it'll go backwards. And we see that in folks that win the lottery. You know, you think that they could live forever, but they don't know how to respect money. They don't know what it means to have a rich mind. So it's, I think it's important to, to train ourselves to understand the value of what we can earn and how to earn it. Which leads me to your wealth firm. Let's dive into that because that's really what I think where we can help folks is help them help themselves. So how do you do that? Right. Yeah, I think that the big thing that we do have to understand from a very philosophical perspective is that 
in the in general where we're at, financial in, institutions and banking institutions run the show for the average person out there. And we do have to understand that there is a game being played around us, okay? And once we understand that, we have to figure out how the game is played. And usually Going back to my sports background, I'm a huge fan of modeling behavior and behaviors. When I played sports, I always just looked at what the best players in my position was doing, studied them, broke down film, looked at what they're eating, looked at their behavior off the field. I mean, I tried to learn as much as I possibly could from them, and that I took the same approach to looking at ways to, to create and build your wealth sustainable and and safely outside of this game in effect and what do financial institutions and banking institutions do and most wall street created products are built on this premise they want your money that's number one the second thing is they want it on a consistent basis and then they also want to keep it for as long as they possibly can and when they give it back to you they want to give it to back to you as slowly as possible and possibly keep, keep most of it. And but sometimes I, penalize you for wanting it back. Exa ex exactly. And the advice that they give the average person out there is park your money. Give us your money. Leave it here. Don't touch it. We got your back. It's, it's going to be okay. Leave it here for 30 to 40 years with us or however long. And when we give it back to you, you know, ho hopefully you'll be able to have that retirement or that end of phase life that you saw advertised on TV. Right. And what these guys do with their own money is that they, again, it's back to doing the complete opposite. They don't do things differently than what they tell the average person to do. They actually do the complete opposite. As far as risk management tied to the market, and I'm not talking about derivatives now from the big banks. I'm just saying around general operations, to just to, for a simplified example here. But they keep turning their money over and over and over in the banking model. To break it down, on the deposit side, they receive, they receive our deposits. Okay, And they're never going to get rich by just taking our deposits in and paying us interest on it or whatever little interest they can pay us right now anyway, where the, the, the money is really created is turning it over and over through lending. And that's just without even touching the, the, the fractional reserve model that, that's out there with banking. Right. So they definitely turn, turn it. So I think what we try to approach wealth to, and we do it from a very holistic perspective from the ground up, we, we realize that we, we have to think like a bank, we have to act like a bank, and we have to reclaim the banking function within our own personal economy, our own family economies, because that's what the banks do and financial institutions, and that's what some of the wealthiest families that have been around for a very long time do. So that that's kind of a that's kind of a starting point for us. And then obviously with just outside of that too, because I'm sure people have asked you many times too, well what's the best investment? Where do I park my money? Would and we you know, obviously I get that a lot too, but the most important thing and the greatest investment that have paid me personally from personal experience over and over my own life was the, my investment in myself right. and my own human life value and trying to to invest in myself to be able to create more value for other people through products and services that I have. So from a planning standpoint, we're at the end of 2016. If I look at how can I create 
more income for myself in 2017, we have to take it and flip it around the other way. What can I do and how can I invest to grow more, to become that person in order to provide maximum amount and even more amount of value for others through products and services? Because the more people that I can help, okay, the more and the more value I can create to the marketplace and other people, the more value will come back to me in many other ways, not just money. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, one of our f uh, favorite strategies to help to help folks reclaim the banking function in their life is actually the infinite banking concept, which was popularized by Mr. Nelson Nash. And in, in brief, what that concept just entails is we actually use dividend paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company. And some of your listeners might be rolling their eyes when I say that I did do that too as well <laughs> when I came across this strategy. But what this strategy actually does is it's a vehicle and it's not your, again, this is not your, your cookie cutter whole life insurance product that's out there. It's a very specialized insurance built with different contract riders to do what you want them to do because you know, we, we work with different people with different goals and different uh, different strategies of what they want to accomplish. There's no one size fits all here. <laughs> you know, we don't ask people what their risk tolerance is and then prescribe a bunch of mutual funds. We actually try and build and tailor a plan that they can implement as part of an overall system and process. And that's what insurance is. It's just like real estate. It's just like businesses. It's just like paper assets. It's just like commodities. It's all about the strategies that you use within that asset group or tools. Real estate, I've been a horrible investor and messed up a lot of deals. <laughs> and I've actually had some success after I invested in myself. And yeah, you know, created my human life value and learned how to create value for others through real estate strategy. So we use dividend-paying whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company. These guys have been around for over 100 years, some the mid-1800s. You put your money in there, there's a guaranteed interest on your money. Then there's also an access to dividends, which these companies pay as a policy holder in a mutual insurance company. You are a shareholder, and most of these companies have paid these dividends out for over 100 years consecutively. So that's how you participate in that. The growth inside these vehicles is also tax-free, okay. which is very, very powerful. It's a private contract, so for investors and entrepreneurs, uh, that's kind of really key, like the privacy aspect. It's a contract between you and the insurance company. And it also has asset protection qualities in most of the states. Check with your legal advisor, but we live in an extremely litigious society, and it's only become, going to become the United more States? increasingly. Really? You're talking <laughs> yeah. trash about the United States now. Just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, globally. So that's what, one of the, th the, the things that it offers. But where it really reclaims the banking function in your life is when you borrow money from a mutual insurance company and from your plan. It's not like accessing your money through a 401k or an IRA. You actually borrow the money from the mutual insurance's general account which then leads your money that's in your account on the one side could be your deposit side as we described in the banking model it's growing it's liquid it's safe predictably and safely and on the other side you get to leverage that cash value that you have in that plan by accessing that and using that to invest in real estate start your own business pay for college family emergencies and so forth so 
it's a way of having your money working in two places simultaneously for you at the same time and keeping all of this in your own system. Because, Michael, as you know, most of us are never going to build sustaining wealth by just depositing money into a bank (laughs) from the interest. And some of us will be able to create sustainable wealth just from lending that requires a very high financial IQ. And that's playing at another level. It's possible. Mm -hmm. But to be able to have and control over both sides the system and participate in the profits of the system is a way for us to reclaim the banking function in our own life and grow wealth predictably through our generations. Unfortunately, most folks have the mentality of work for 30 or 40 years and then live off of you know what you put away for those years right. and don't realize they can produce more if they attempted to do so. But there is a difference between someone who's an entrepreneur and someone who's a follower. Society needs both. No, absolutely. And what you're describing to is the accumulation mindset. And I think that, you know, we, we touch on Rich Dad Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki has taught, you know, stated too, the rules of money has changed. And it has. It's completely changed. This is not your grand grandparents' economy. It's not your parents' economy. The rules of money has changed completely. The, you know, we live in an extremely exciting time. That being said, accumulating money throughout our life and think that we're going to be able to live on that through the end of our life, that model doesn't work anymore. Health, health uh, developments in healthcare is, is amazing. You know, the, the fact that we're going to be able to work for 30 years, put money away for 30 years, and then live another 30 years from that, yeah, we just, um, anything, we, you know, history just, you know, gave us two examples of that, or, or life did, when we had two people who just made the news for passing away, and they were both, I believe, 95 years old. And, you know, 20 years ago, that would have been like way exceeding their, when they should have left the earth. And in 20 years from now, that's going to be a young person. And a lot of people are, are, are not, they're going to be facing some, some horrors if they, if they thought their life expectancy was what it was, and it's not. They're, yeah. They're no. living longer. No, absolutely. And and the same thing with this new economy. And that's why I was so passionate about starting a podcast to and, and sharing information about income streams, because I truly believe that the only financial security that that we will have in the, this new economy and this information age is to have multiple streams of income. And you said it very, very eloquently, and I agree with you. Not everybody is, is an entrepreneur, but even if you do, if you are employed with someone else, I, you know, I definitely urge people to set up a financial foundation for themselves and then look at other ways to create income streams and then increase and improve upon those those income streams because the jobs that we have right now could be gone tomorrow and is possibly already gone in five years. If you just look at what happened, what happened in this this disruption economy with with Uber and I mean Airbnb is a great one. How many years did it take Hilton Hotels to have over seven hundred thousand rooms right. in their company? It took and how long did it take Airbnb? Right. <laughs> Without building a single hotel. Right. So and these guys will be disrupted by more other other disruptors that's out there. So that'll be phase two is when the disruptors become disrupted. So it's but, extremely exciting. It's a fascinating time to be alive. Yeah, you can you can see it you know, from a social perspective. We could see it in there was AOL and then there was MySpace and now there's Facebook and you know what it's what's it going to be tomorrow. Industry changes, careers change. 
You know, someone used to have a job for life. Now they don't, they, and they work for one employer. That's rare. My uncle did it, but he's a priest. He only had one employer. Very right. few, very few people are going to go through life anymore doing what they started out doing. I think it is important to have multiple streams of income. Now I choose to have multiple business types that create passive income for me. Right. Who are they? Don't require me. For me, that's the key component. And another component for me is to divest a little bit. So they're not all one industry type because as that is that one industry changes, so may the income stream. Now it could, it could evolve into being a better income stream, but it could also evolve into being a worse income stream. And I never want to be relying upon just one type industry type. I'm glad no, I position myself in, in different industries and different multiple streams of income. I don't know when I'll ever quit. Probably never. <laughs> I think I'll go to work the day after I die kind of thing. Absolutely. And that ties into the other thing too, this, this idea of retirement. I think that's a concept too that is definitely open for discussion because, you know, I'd rather look for something to retire too. I mean, as you just mentioned, creating income streams or businesses, I mean, that's the fun part that keeps the mind healthy and active, looking at ways to help other people and providing value and then try to figure out a way to try to kind of position yourself so you're not tied to it and it, it's not a job it's a right. passive income stream and then managing all of that i think that's i think that's something exciting that could be retired too so you're not running away from something um, the idea of of sitting at a job that you hate for 30 or 40 years that is constantly changing and then you hope that you're going to be retiring from that i think that's kind of an obsolete idea as well in this new new economy absolutely if your income stream relies upon you it's not an income stream it's a job right and, exactly uh, and uh, you can take yourself out of that position and, and it still is there it may not be there at the level that you can you know create if you were there however if you've figured out how to create one income stream, you should be able to create the second one much faster. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, do, it does like also, and, and you mentioned it again, across different asset classes, because just look just look at all the disruptions in different asset classes. I mean, just in real estate, the, the, the different trends going on there, the different trends in, in businesses, online businesses, the way we work and play, the way we, yeah, the way we, we're traveling, you know, the driverless cars that, that, that people talk about. And even as far as paper assets and digital assets, look at all these cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology is a thing. Um, yeah, it's it's something that's that's going to become more and more popular and revolutionize more industries and and also uh, the rise of cryptocurrencies that that we've seen especially in 2016 with Bitcoin becoming more and more popular. Right. It you know the world is becoming very small. We have to realize that there's a lot out there that we can gain upon. And so how does a person? ask you for help they can go to valhallawealth.com or my main platform cashflowninja.com and they can reach out to me there if they're interested in discussing any any about the strategies that i just mentioned i'll also make a book available to your listeners from mr nelson nash it's becoming your own banker so if it intrigued you, if this is something uh, that you're interested in learning a little bit more of, I'll, I'll, I'll mail you a book. You can reach, reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com, and I'll send, send out a book. And then if you're interested just to learn an, uh, about other income streams, 
and just some updates and forecasts. Cashflowninja.com is my podcast. And as I mentioned, I've been honored to have guests such as yourself on, Michael, talking about creating income streams and businesses from real estate, paper assets, businesses, online businesses, coffee farms in Panama, agriculture, gold and silver, and more. Gosh, that's what I need is a coffee farm. My wife drinks coffee so much that I, <laughs> I'd save money. <laughs> it's something that's not going away, right? It's not that's not going to be disrupted pretty quickly. Coffee. What is it? It's the world's second largest commodity. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and there's some there's guys doing amazing things offshore with not just coffee but other other agriculture as well. You know, the way that we eat, a lot of people have become cognizant of that and are trying to live a little bit healthier. So, that's definitely had an impact and Obviously, we've seen some inflation uh, at the grocery store and a lot of the stuff that we do purchase and eat. So it, it's uh, it's very intriguing. You know, one of the things that as I sit here listening, and I appreciate the opportunity, that I keep asking myself as you're, as you're talking, is I know that when one starts in life, in whatever endeavor they want to they start at, they don't know what they don't know. And then they learn what they didn't know. If I'm, if I'm a person and I'm listening to this conversation and it, and because I don't know it's for me, what do you have for that person? How can, because some people will listen to this, oh, I don't want to listen anymore because it's, I just don't understand what he's talking about. How do you take that person and teach them what they didn't know? So now they know it and now they know they needed it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, that's a that's a really good question. I think that if somebody's listening out there and they you know they don't know anything and they don't know should I learn or try to learn something more about something, I think what you're trying to what you have to figure out is the first thing is as we mentioned before where where's where's going to be the biggest driver in any area of your life, and that's going to be your within yourself and developing yourself. So. I would say that you have to be able to increase your education, read a little bit, read a little bit widely, study what the most successful people are doing in your space, and then model those behaviors. Uh, some principles have stuck around for a long time, and that's how I, quite frankly, came across the infinite banking concept. This is practiced in family offices across the country. Uh, and for those uh, listening that, that's not quite familiar with that, um, that's a private office with with a ton of advisors. And the Rockefellers kind of ma made this famous with the Rockefeller family office. And that's where I studied a lot and see what are these guys doing? What do they know that I don't know? And why do I need to know that? I think there's because the question. Why do I need to learn this? What's Beyond what's in it for me, why right. do I need it? Why, do, why should I even care about it? Why should I develop this part of my life? Answer that question for me. I think to why should I need to learn it, uh, back to, for me personally, it was, it, it, it was, first of all, I wanted to solve my own problem. And then when I realized how to solve that problem, I wanted to help other people solve that problem in their life. I would say that the, the longer answer to that question is that in the end, if if I'm focused and studying that, the reason why I, I learned that is 
to take care of myself and my family and be able to provide for them and then out to be able to help people in my community. And now I do business in most states uh, all across the United States, try to help as many people that I can in the United States and then people across the world following similar strategies with the podcast to get that message out there. There is this thing that happens when you start helping folks. You know, the old, the old adage, you know, if you give it away, it'll come back to you. Right. It absolutely does in waves. I like the idea, you know, I learned a long time ago, if you, if you want to learn something, just, you know, go hang out with those people that are successful and your friends will soon become those types of people. Well, I like my friends, so I want to help my friends become more like me, push each other to more success. So I, I like that in a person. One of the things I always ask folks, because I was raised in Bakersfield, I didn't put a backpack on and go anywhere. So I'm dumber than dirt. So I always know that I didn't ask all the questions. So what didn't I ask that most people do or that you want to additionally share? Yeah. So I think another good thing to point out is the holistic approach to, to, to wealth through it. And this is a mistake that I made personally. And this might be something that maybe if you're listening to this that you can relate to as well. Well, where do I start? You know, and I talk about the wealth pyramid. I did not discover the wealth pyramid. There are many people out there with that same model that I've learned from and just tailored it a little bit. And the different levels, because I think as I touch on this, the mistake that I did was I start right at the top of it. And I learned a lot of painful lessons from that. So right at the bottom, I would put my human life value, my relationships, my health, my community, the value that I can provide for others. And then on top of that, you know, there's protective strategies, saving strategies, life insurance strategies, etc., to to be able to secure that foundational aspect for your family. And you can add other uh, levels of protective strategies in there as well, gold and silver. If you're living on the East Coast in the United States where I lived, um, the next time there's a hurricane coming through, you might have to want to have uh, some freeze-dried food and water and and generators and heaters in your house. That's taking part of, of, or rather taking care of that foundational aspect to be able to take care of your your loved ones and, and yourself. And then on the more conservative side in the middle, that's where there's cash flow businesses, there's cash flow investments. And then the third level at the top is money that you can afford to lose. And that's usually where people start and they put them in the stock market and qualified retirement plans, 401ks, et cetera. And that really that's because they're not, you. they really can't afford to lose it. Exactly. So they're not willing to gamble with it. And they're going, oh, you know, I can't lose this. I always found when I can, when I take money and I, and I redefine it so it's not needed, it's not required, Right. Uh, then I'll make more money with it. But the moment it's, it's required, I'm more conservative, I shouldn't say too conservative, more conservative with it. But my big paydays have always come when I didn't need the big payday. Exactly. And that's kind of the segment which I call swing for the fences. That's money that you can afford to lose and and that that doesn't necessarily have the downside protection. Obviously, there's risk management strategies, but the the average person doesn't even have that in their qualified retirement plans. So a lot of the, the, the mistakes that I see working with clients is before they even just have liquid savings to be able to take care of emergencies. And we re- we see the statistics in the news all the time of how many families have even that part taken care of and money saved. Then I look at their exposure of the market and what they have in qualified retirement plans. And it is, it is 
frightening. It's actually quite criminal that that's the way that most what most people are told to do with their, their money. So I think that that's one thing that, that I've seen. And then the other thing that I've also seen is, as we touched on earlier on in this conversation, is the accumulation model that I have a, I, I consult with a lot of clients that follow the accumulation model and now they're at the phase of their life where they want to withdraw and quote unquote retire and now you're going to have to use that, that money that went through 2008 where a lot of folks got really, really hurt. They never recovered from that because they were too scared to put their money back into the lot of vehicles that caused the pain. They're now looking to find ways to see how that money that they have are going to be able to sustain themselves for 20 or 30 years. Right. So that's that's why I'm so passionate about cash flow, and that's why I'm so passionate about having having all the building blocks in place and giving it a nice holistic look because – I personally made that mistake too and started with more riskier investments and having my money in, in different levels. And that, that's one of the things that I would say. There's a lot to be learned from someone who's already learned it the hard way, who can share with us, you know, the don't do those things. Stay away from that thing. Or if you do that thing, be conscientious of this thing. So I appreciate you being on the call today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a fantastic experience, and thank you for your listeners out there uh, listening and, and, and listening to both of us converse. One more time, tell them how they can find you. CashflowNinja.com is my primary platform. They'll be able, there's links on the website to my Valhalla Wealth and so forth, but CashflowNinja.com. So the Ninja has a rugby ball. Pretty cool. <laughs> Not quite yet, but it is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Michael. That was fun. I kept sitting here going, I, I'm, I'm listening too much. I'm not thinking of what to ask him because he was just interesting. I don't think that's ever happened to me. I, I, I lost my tongue. And I can talk a lot, but he just he made me shut up. Listen, if what he said didn't make any sense, let's re-listen to this thing and reach out to him. Nothing wrong with knowledge. If he can give you some knowledge, read that book of his that he's offered to you. Listen to his podcast. Let's start creating some wealth for ourselves and protect ourselves. Until next time. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Michael Quarles Real Estate Show. Get more info and stay in touch at michaelquarles.com.